today's podcast episode. We got started, and then we had some technical difficulties where my entire computer crashed. But when we got back on track, we talked about all kinds of topics ranging from uh, your top five people on your phone, to music, to fitness industry, to fashion industry, and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy this one, and uh, go subscribe. Welcome to The Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at yegfitness. All right, so welcome to the Lifestyle Chase episode 130, and I am joined by Kimberly Haley. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, Chris. How are you? I'm good. Um, little backstory for the audience. My computer crashed. So this is the second time we've gone through all of this. So if it sounds like we've already said it before, we already said it before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good. It's been a crazy, crazy time for the whole world. Uh, tell me about your experience with it. You know, uh, today is a good day. So I am celebrating that. For the past few weeks, um, I have experienced a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, you know, some days are up, some days are down. And um, I think I am coming to a place where I don't know if I feel resolved, but I think I'm just trying to stay focused on what my contribution in this movement will be um so yeah today is a good day (laughs) i like that way of putting it uh like staying having a focus on what your contribution is i think that's that's something that uh weighs heavily on my mind i'm a thinker i overthink all the time and i'm always like something's always on my head and i'm like okay like um what what next what next like the year 2020 has been so full of unexpected times and it's just like how how do we move forward what do we do are we doing it right are we doing it wrong and this can be from an economical standpoint uh like a societal standpoint so many different angles to this year um we talked about how you liked gardening before we pressed record here um, I am curious, what, what makes you like gardening so much? I want to know more. Well, my husband got me into it. My in-laws have a huge garden. Um, they live up in Northern California and that's kind of how I was, I became more interested in it. Um, now it's not the first time that I've been exposed to it as my grandmother, my paternal grandmother. Um, she grew up on a farm. That's actually, um, how they made their money. So my great grandparents were farmers by trade in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I have been around gardening and the idea of sustainability from what you can grow in your own backyard. But it wasn't until um, my husband and I started dating and we would take trips up to visit his parents 
where I kind of took more interest into it. So we have our own garden here <laughs> and um, it's just small, but it's very rewarding being able to grow something and see it um, blossom, if you will, and produce um, from starting off as a seed. So the whole notion behind it, not only from a sustainability perspective, but the messaging that comes from the process in it makes me um, really appreciate the art of gardening because it truly is an art form. <laughs> well, I mean, from the, the conversations that I've had with people, it seems as though gardening can be quite a good healing process. Like I know my parents like gardening. Um, I like to eat gardening. Like I don't, I don't do the gardening so much, but I, I like the product yeah, of gardening yeah. just to have to have the vegetables sure. and everything. Um, yeah. But before we get too far into this episode, I want to give my audience a really good idea of who you are and what you're passionate about. So if you were at like a business mixer, um, how would you describe yourself? I would describe myself as someone that is intrigued by people and their process. So a little backstory about me. I am a neuromuscular therapist, but before I did a complete career change, almost two and a half years ago, I worked in fashion for about 14 years. And, um, you know, I got my undergraduate degree in family and consumer science with the emphasis in um, apparel merchandising and a minor in marketing. So all of my jobs have been rooted in the creative and fashion space um, from mostly like a managerial and a customer service perspective. So a lot of a lot of the motivation behind transitioning careers was my own stress. And the fashion industry is extremely stressful because you are always working against deadlines. And over the past, ooh, I would say five to eight years, I started experiencing a lot of shifts within my own body, a lot of chronic pain, um, hormonal stuff popping up. And I would go to the doctor and all of my tests would come back normal. So, I mean, this word was thrown out constantly by doctors. You just, you must be just stressed. You must just be stressed. So that's kind of what led me down the path of healing and alternative medicine because I was trying to heal myself. <laughs> and there's a saying that, you know, most good healers kind of started with themselves, like trying to um, rehab their own bodies. So that's kind of what led me to delve into the art form of healing from a um, manual therapy perspective. So I got into um, massage school and we finished the, I finished my first year of the curriculum and I was like, this is fine. But I knew I always, I always knew that I didn't want to be against spas. I love going to get massages and kind of pampering myself, but I wanted to affect change in someone's life from a rehabilitation standpoint. So I know firsthand being an, uh, an athlete, when you have certain ailments or pains, 
your the quality of your life is compromised heavily. <laughs> um, you know, you got that back pain, you have a neck spasm or whatever the case might be, and you cannot function at your best self. So again, back to my own personal story, that kind of was the driving force of me pursuing manual therapy in an effort to help facilitate healing and restoration in someone's body. So here I am. <laughs> that was awesome. I think that's the best like yeah. origin story that I, I've heard so far. Um, it's crazy. huh? People always ask me like fashion, wellness, like what? How? That's different. <laughs> well, it's not unusual. I think I've met a lot of trainers that come from completely opposite industries. And I've met a lot of people in one business that came from another totally different business. Um, but just the way that you came to that process kind of has me intrigued. Um, first I want to talk about like, what was, what was it that inspired you to go into fashion in the first place? Like what was going on in your head that you were like, I want to do fashion. Well, growing up, I dealt with a lot of low self-esteem. Um, and I think from that perspective, I was pulled toward making people feel seen, making people feel good. And when you look good, you feel good. So that was kind of why I wanted to get into fashion. Um, it was very interesting because a lot of the girls that were in some of my uh, classes, they were having hard times getting jobs in the fashion industry. And I've, for as long as I can remember, I've always had very high up positions in the industry. And it's not something that I worked hard for, but these were girls that like Vogue was their Bible. Okay. And they came to class with heels and they were always dressed to the nines and they were having a hard time, like entering that space where just me, a regular old person, um, like didn't eat and breathe fashion at all. I just like concept of being able to shift someone's perspective of themselves through the medium of fashion. And I was able to like walk through these doors kind of uninhibited. So I always found that fascinating <laughs> in and of itself. Have you found what your differentiating factor is? Like, has that uh, quality about yourself kind of uh, come up again later on in life where you found that something sets you apart? You know, I just like to serve people. Um, so if I'm, I, I'm looking at myself now in my new career, and looking at myself and the many years that I've dedicated to one particular industry, at the root of it, it's making people feel better. And I think when you constantly are in a mind of service, um, doors just kind of open for you because you're trying to create a space for someone to feel better, to be seen, to um, improve. And... Um, I think when you're coming from that perspective, uh, the opportunities are endless. Well, I think that's a, a great um, assessment of the whole situation. Like in a lot of job fields, people are looking for people with like that, that purpose for what they do um, and that passion for, for helping people. Like it's one thing to um, be a fan of something, but it's another thing to be having a why for why that thing means so much, be it fashion or food or, or fitness. 
So then mm-hmm. when, when you made the transition of careers, can you think of like a specific time when you're like, all right, uh, it's time to make the move? Like, was there a day that you couldn't recall in your memory or just something that happened? This might be weird, but (laughs) so the second half of my training. um, So like I was explaining to you, the first half was just me getting my certification as a massage therapist. The second half of my training was what got me certified as a neuromuscular therapist. Now, a part of the the curriculum was going to the cadaver lab. So it wasn't until that's why I said this is kind of weird where um, one night we're at the cadaver lab and I mean, we're standing over um, cadavers, dead bodies. And what stuck out to me was the fact that all these individuals that essentially were, for whatever reason, their body was dedicated to science, they had a purpose. And now I'm standing over them, you know, learning yes, about the different body parts and so on and so forth and about functionality and dysfunction and so on and so forth. But I was learning so much in that moment aside from the anatomy. And it kind of made me, it was like a reality check. Like, if this is what you want to do, if you want to be able to step into the space of saving someone from the mini doctor appointments that left in unanswered questions or the chronic pain that you went to sleep with and woke up with or the confusion about what does this actually mean? Is this more serious than, you know, I'm, I'm leading on to save someone from that confusion. That means that I would have to be uncomfortable and leave an industry and walk into a different purpose of my own. And there's not going to be a perfect time to do that. So you better get about doing it now. And that's kind of, who gets a message like that in the cadaver lab, right? But, <laughs> but I did. So I think that was maybe the defining moment of me kind of wanting to step into that and owning and owning my role in the wellness space. That was a cool story. Like, seriously. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's not it's not an uncommon reason to be passionate about something. I've had conversations with uh, uh, kinesiologists, physiotherapists, where they're like, yeah, and we did this one thing and it was with cadavers. And I just like, I just realized how much I love the human body. And I'm like over here, like, okay, <laughs> but it's, it makes sense it's easy to understand yes. <laughs> yes it's so easy to understand um it, it's so easy to understand that when you're looking at someone that is no longer here with us me i'm so intrigued by people's stories so i'm like thinking of like i wonder what their life was like or i wonder this and i wonder that and i'm looking at i'm, I'm looking at them and and thinking about my own life and just like, we always think we have time. You know, we always think, we always second, oftentimes we second guess ourselves. Like, is this what I really should do? Like, I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And, you know, it takes you being face to face, maybe with death or um, maybe hearing someone else's story or in a cadaver lab <laughs> where 
you are are faced to um, look at your own, you're faced with the the inevitable of um, mortality, and it makes you think about how you're living in the present, um, which for me is a real. Um, it's just a real game changer for me. It helps me want to live with purpose and it helps me want to be okay with not always knowing um, in an effort to just continue to show up not only for myself, but those that I serve. Well, I think you pointed out a lot of important things. One that stood out to me is like we, there is no such thing as the right time. Like if you're feeling a calling or a purpose or you just like, there's something that interests you more than what you are currently doing there's no sense in waiting for like this big like streamer to go across and like it's time like you gotta just do it yeah and, yeah um everybody has like this uh the self-doubt in them that kind of holds them back from doing that and you kind of alluded to a little bit of your own experiences with that before going into the the fashion industry if we dial it back a bit but like what was that experience for you like? Like, I know I can speak from my experiences and that like my junior high, high school, like there's plenty of times when I felt self-conscious, like what was going on for you? Like what, what was life like back in those times? Well, interestingly enough, a lot of it stemmed from colorism, you know, even, even though the hot topic right now is racism, I've experienced that. And I've always also experienced colorism amongst my own community. Um, the notion of, so I went to private, to give you a backstory, I went to private school up until um, I went to university and we had uniforms. So everybody looked the same and dressed the same, but there are little deciding factors or little separating factors, like your shoes, how you wear your hair, different accessories, your backpack. Um, like random things that you could do to kind of set yourself apart. And I didn't come, like my parents were, I mean, they, they took care of us and we never went without, but in terms of having like the latest and greatest, like I, I didn't. And also being brown skin, darker skin, um, there have been several statements that were made to me by guys that were black that, oh, you would be cute or more attractive if you were light-skinned, you know, with longer hair. So it was constant, this reinforcement of, even though I got love at home, when I went out into the world, I didn't belong. I didn't belong um, with people that didn't look like me, and I didn't belong with people that were the same racial group as I was. So um, what got me into fashion was, wanting to create a sense of belonging for myself because whether you liked my skin color if someone had a really nice outfit dressed to the nines you would say you look good i like your shoes or i like your outfit like whether you liked me or whether you thought i was attractive people people's eyes are drawn to things that are beautiful that are aesthetically pleasing so i think that's kind of what initially got me into like fashion it was a way to express myself without saying words well that that's powerful because i find that some of the strongest people in this world um with the with the best leadership qualities or the best ability to um lift other people up have gone through some stuff like usually they have a story they have battle scars they have 
wounds and things that really impacted them. Um, having gone through that experience, let's say you came across someone like there was exactly like you, but you were just uh, reflecting on the past and your current self was seeing your like 15 year old self. Um, would there be anything that you would say to your 15 year old self or any guidance or any advice? I would say find the thing that makes people afraid of you and lean into that. I don't even know where that came from, but <laughs> it kind of just like came out of me just now because I, I find that even as I'm 31 years old and the things that people are quote unquote afraid of or quote intimidated by is usually like our superpower. So I would say, I would tell my 15 year old self or the girls that I mentor um, to find the thing that makes people afraid of you and lean into that because they don't want to tell you, but that's the thing that they are drawn to. That's the thing that they're afraid if other people knew about you, that they would be drawn to you as well. So to, to lean into that thing. That got me fired up. I'm like, yeah, find that thing. <laughs> Find it, find it. <laughs> so now at this point in your life, um, I mean, the thing with life is it's like we have our times filled with joy and we have our times filled with less joy. And it seems to be like a up and down cycle sort of thing. Um, with yourself, what is your thing that is like your power? What is your power right now today on this Friday? my willingness to want to lean into someone and sit with them in whatever they're feeling. Um, I would say that that's my power. I have the bandwidth to, to exercise empathy. And sometimes it doesn't feel like a superpower. Sometimes it feels more of like a burden because being an, an empath can often be a heavy place to be in because you feel everything. You feel that person's discomfort, pain. You feel it like almost as if it was yours. But I think that that would be my superpower because I want to lean into that. I want to sit in it with you because I know firsthand what it feels like to, to feel alone. So well, I like that. I would you, say that's it. <laughs> you, you talked about empathy and I, I totally relate. I, I am an empath. I, uh, when crazy things are going on in the world, it uh, falls upon me. And I mean, it's it's going to be a different experience for everybody. But like, I can understand at least a, a piece of what it is like to be an empath. And you talked about bandwidth, which I think is an important thing for people to address, especially during these times. Like, it's like, we only have the capacity to emote so much. Like, we we need to be mad. We need to be sad. We need to be happy. But we need to yeah. have the balance. Um can you think of a time in your life when you really understood what your bandwidth was? Like when you perhaps came across the limit in one way or the other? I think right now, honestly, I'm not, I'm learning what boundaries are. And what I mean by learning, I think you can have the knowledge of something without application. And I don't know if I would necessarily say that that's learning. You just acquired the knowledge. But I think now I'm learning what boundaries are and even what they mean for myself. 
therefore I'm, I think now, um, more than any other time in my life, I'm understanding what my bandwidth is. So like the other day I posted an image on social media of me like smiling. And in that moment I felt joy, but I'm, I would lie to you. I would be lying to you if I told you I wasn't apprehensive because there's this tug of war when things are heavy in the world or when things are heavy in our life. Like, can I really be joyful and happy when so much around me is not? So I think understanding the dynamics of, of ourselves as, as human beings is what is now allow, allowing me to have that freedom to expand my bandwidth, um, understanding where too much is, is, is where I need to cut it off and also understanding when I can open up more and receive. Um, and understanding my ability to kind of control, like, Hey, Kim, you can always shut off social media. Hey, Kim, you can always turn off the news. Hey, Kim, you can always reach out to someone. You, I have more control and we as humans have more control than we allow ourselves to, I think, avail ourselves of. Um, it's weird. Um, I am a recovering control addict. <laughs> and what I mean by that is somebody being someone that is an avid planner and wanting everything to every I to be dotted, every T to be crossed and everything to be in order. There's so much that I've had to come to realize that there's so much that's out of my control. But what I also find that with people who are like me, who are also recovering control addicts, but I, I would call them that instead of saying controlling. Um, oftentimes we don't control the things that we can, you know? Like we try so hard to control it so much that is out of our, our, our reach. But the things that we can, can control, we're like, we don't want to do that work. So I would just say that understanding my bandwidth has come with maturity and understanding that there's so much that I can control and trying to be mindful of that. That was awesome. I mean, even talking about uh, controlling what you can control, I want to uh, turn that question around on you a little bit. Let's say within the four walls of your home, what are like four or five things that you can control that you've recently forgotten about or perhaps that you're working on, maybe it'll inspire other people to uh, reflect on their own things. I can control how I treat someone that doesn't think like I do. So um, to expound on that, since I can't control how someone else thinks, inevitably as a human being, that will affect me. But it is in my control to harness my emotions. And that's something I'm currently working on. Um, to harness how I respond versus react. Um, and that takes time. But I think being mindful every day, making room for yourself internally, making room for yourself in your own space, so that means your home and in your valuable relationships, making room for yourself there. Um, so you can express and emote and be filled up. So when it's time to engage in conversations with individuals that don't think like you, that 
blatantly disagree with you, that have maybe even hurt or harmed you in the past, you're so filled up and you have a different perspective that you're able to respond instead of react. So um, that's something I'm currently working on. <laughs> um, let me see what else. Um, I think also I, I, a lot of what I'm going to say is back to reacting because being an empath, I'm also very emotional and I'm very passionate. So I, a lot of my responses come, come in a way that is very blatant. So it's either like I'm very passionate about something or I'm extremely subdued, but they're both very extreme responses. So trying to kind of find a medium where I can stay true to what I feel but not teetering the extremes. Um, so they're, those are the only two things that I think come to mind. And they're both something that I'm currently working, <laughs> working on. Well, I think those answers are going to be helpful because like, honestly, sometimes I'll ask the question and I have these expectations for how it's going to go. I'll be like, okay, maybe she'll talk about like, she's just going to work on her self-care routine, or maybe it's like making the bed or maybe it's making a coffee, but that was like a, a way deeper answer, getting people thinking, getting people into a frame of mind where where they have the tools in their toolkit to um withstand what will be like a very crazy time like i mean i truly hope that i hope for myself that i will be living through some sense of of discomfort because i am learning like i want to be learning for forever really like i mean if you're in the fitness industry you always want to be learning but learning in more than just yeah. like uh, the fitness knowledge and learning in, in just getting to know other people because um, by trying to, to learn to get to know other people and by messing it up sometimes or not knowing what to expect or whatever the case may be, that's like, that's the one thing in my control to move forward. And I, I hope other people have that shared experience. Um, so I want to talk about your experience as a podcast host, because like, that's something that we have in common. And so yeah. what, what inspired you to have a podcast in the first place? Uh, what inspired me to have a podcast was again, my own personal experiences with my health journey. So I am big on being an advocate for yourself, you know, when it comes to, your health, your well-being, I find that it's non-negotiable. You know, like I, I grew up kind of being taught if anything is going on, go to the doctor. If something doesn't feel right, go to the doctor. So I would go and my idea of my doctor, my expectation of my doctor was that, hey, they're a doctor. They went to school. They know everything about my body. So they should be able to fix me. And boy, was I frustrated. Boy, was I disappointed. Boy, was I angry and mad because it's so frustrating to know what you're feeling, know what you're experiencing, going to the person that is supposedly supposed to help you and then leaving more confused and with more unresolved. But 
it wasn't until I became a therapist that I was on the other end of the spectrum that people are coming to me and they're like, hey, I have this back pain. Hey, I think I have sciatica. Hey, I think, you know, I have this crick in my neck that won't go away. Hey, I get this like shooting pain in my foot. Fix me. Tell me what to do. And I'm like, okay, let's do an assessment. <laughs> let's let's talk about your history. Let's talk about your posture. Let's talk about, um, you know, what you do, your um, ADLs, your activities of daily living. Let's talk about those things. They're like, no, I want you to fix it now. So it wasn't until the, the roles were reversed and the shoe was on the other foot that I became more aware that some people, a lot of people lack body awareness. And I am a firm believer that you can scratch that itch of being um, curious and walking toward um, or walking down a path of healing when you have more awareness about yourself. You have more awareness about what you do, how you move within your body, how you experience things. When something happens, you know, does your stomach get upset? You know, when, you, when you've had a long day at work, does your left side of your back tend to hurt all the time? You know, so I created the podcast from the perspective of getting people to ask themselves the right questions. Um, and obviously, when, when they're working with, um, you know, a doctor or a therapist or a trainer or, <clears throat> or a massage therapist, even um being able to ask them the right questions in an effort to advocate for themselves but the heart of the podcast started from an acknowledgement that self-awareness body awareness is lacking heavily <laughs> in, in, in individuals so that's where the the notion of the podcast came from I love that. Um, when it comes to self-awareness, let's uh, get specific here for your self-awareness journey. Because I know in this last three months or so, I've become very self-aware of myself. There's lots of things that I've learned about myself that I didn't really understand before. Or maybe I refined certain things or maybe I abandoned certain things. What's What's your experience mm -hmm. been like with that in the last three months? Well, if we're just talking about like, from a pain perspective, um, I'm very aware that when I am rushing or I'm extremely nervous, I get these shooting pains in my stomach. Um, or there are certain times when I am extremely tired, I get these weird headaches. So when um, the rioting started to happen, I was getting these headaches like every other day. I was wake going to sleep with a headache, waking up with a headache. I'm like, I ate today, you know, I'm taking my, my vitamins that I need to, I'm drinking the water, I'm trying to be mindful, I'm trying to keep my stress levels low, I'm walking, I'm moving. Why do I have these headaches? And I didn't realize that it's because even though I was doing all these external things, I hadn't been able to release the pressure of everything that had been going on. So I hadn't been able to really cry or I really emote like from a outward um, perspective regarding everything that was going on in the world. So it's almost like my body was like a pressure cooker. And it was, it was 
holding down all the the pressure. I mean, yeah, the pressure that was kind of stimulated by the events in the world. So, I mean, because like in high school, I had like I dealt with headaches a lot. And I'm like, I haven't had headaches like this in such a long time. Like, this is weird. I was so like not connecting the dots <laughs> at all. Um, so that I think would be like the most recent experience that I've had in terms of like self-awareness um, in my body and kind of the pain that I was experiencing or the you know, symptoms that I was experiencing as of late. And you talked about emoting. So having the emotions that you needed to have. Um, was that an easy process for you? Like when I hear you say that, I think about like, oh, well, like, I mean, sometimes I hear some heavy news and like, I have myself a good man cry. Like I let out the emotions, everything comes out or I yell or I do a heavy workout. Like what, what does it look like for you when all of a sudden you have that breaking point where it's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta have emotions right now. Like what, what's that experience like? Mm, for me, that looks like crying. Yeah, that does look like crying. Um, it wasn't until I went to church a couple of weeks back. And again, like I mentioned music and my self-care routine. So music is really big. And um, during the worship service, I I think I was in a place where... I think I wanted to be vulnerable. Um, I mean, that's a thing too. You can know that you need to release, but in releasing, there has to be, with your desire to want to release, there also has to be a willingness to be vulnerable. And I think subconsciously, I didn't want to be vulnerable because I felt like if we're, you know, we're talking about what's going on now, I, I, I think subconsciously I thought being vulnerable regarding the inequality that's going on in our nation and our world wouldn't matter because this is not the first or the second or the third time. So I was like, what's the point in expressing these emotions when nothing's going to come of it? So I might as well keep them to myself. I might as well hold them down. I might as well process them the way that I always do. And I think this time my body was like, nope, <laughs> nope, you can't, you're not going to continue to do that. So I was getting these headaches and, you know, I wasn't sleeping well because I think my body was like, you're not going to continue to try to suppress something that you need to get out. And even if no one sees it, even if no one validates your emotions, you need to get it out because your body is telling you that you do. <laughs> Well, I mean, that it's tough to talk about that kind of stuff on a podcast. So I appreciate you immensely for being able to talk about that stuff. Um, something that I'll, I'll counter this topic with is like you talked about kind of being in a space where you wanted to feel vulnerable or just like being ready or being supported. Um, one of my like major thoughts that I always come back to is the importance of a good like uh, social environment and having like these connections mm. in which like uh, so it's one thing for me or you to be able to emote but everybody in our life needs to be able to emote as well 
regardless of our background or our age or our experience or whether we're um like the the mentor or the mentee like everybody needs to to have that freedom and that confidence that they are free to do so because we're interconnected it's like uh like when you go into a forest like if you're uh this is going to be a crazy analogy but if you're like a pine beetle and you go into a forest and you're about to um deplete the pine trees uh trees talk so people without speaking like people's energy speaks to each other Mm -hmm. and so one of the things that i think about is like am i creating a space where the people in my life can feel vulnerable so that they can be more strong in whatever they face in life um and am i bringing those topics to the table on my podcast because if if I am not, how is it going to become an idea to someone who perhaps could be having headaches? Like, um, there's so many different reasons to feel the same kind of overload, overwhelm, just like, yeah, that I can imagine that you've been feeling. Um, and I'm really glad that uh, you're able to talk about it because hopefully someone that's listening can think, well, wow, that, that's that's me too in talking about that um what what is your your sort of like community like or what are your what's your fave five like if it was back in the day when cell phone plans had like your fave five or your five top contacts who would your top five contacts be oh my husband my dad um one of my really good friends faith um, another one of my really good friends, Erica, um, and a cousin of mine, um, his name is Scott. And I would say those five because they've been the ones that I've been talking to more intensely about this particular topic. Um, I have a really, really good community. So when you said five, it's kind of like hard to choose, but I know my, my friend Faith, like we were FaceTiming almost on the daily, um, for the past few weeks. So it was really good to feel supported, um, by them, um, during this time. But yeah, I, I, I would echo that, um, having a strong community is so imperative, um, throughout life in general, because we were not made to do this thing by ourselves. Like we're not Lone Rangers at all so i think your community is reflective even of how far you can go in any healing or rehabilitation journey that you're on whether it be emotional spiritual physical you need community we all need community in order to go the distance in this journey that we're all on and i think it's cool that you outline that and everything but we're going to uh dive down the rabbit hole a bit. I'm going to give you the option to choose any one of those five people and tell me what makes them such a, such an important person to have in that selection. Like what makes them stand out? What's their power? Like we want to surround ourselves with powerful people. What is the power of that person you're going to choose and tell me about? Well, of course I'm going to choose my husband. (laughs) No, but in all honesty, like before we even got married, before we started dating, we were friends. So 
one very interesting quality about him that I absolutely adore is he, his ability to have a conversation with anyone. The richest person, the poorest person, no matter what you look like, he's able to converse and connect. So during this time, he was just a great sounding board because not only is he a good listener, but he's able to give me different perspectives along with being able to understand from his own personal experiences as a black man, what it's like. So I always appreciate his ability to kind of give me a different perspective that's gonna make me think and challenge me to kind of step out of myself. So I would choose him. <laughs> that's awesome. So what what's yeah. the origin story of the two of you? You said that you guys were, were friends before, like how did that romance begin? Oh man, okay. So it was at um, a friend's house and it was like a little kind of kickback type of situation and they were playing dominoes. Are you familiar with the game dominoes? Yep. Okay. So he, I was on the table because I was like, okay, I don't want to be one of those girls that's kind of sitting back watching everyone just like talk and do whatever. So I get on the domino table and of course I didn't really know how to play that well, but I'm going to pretend like I do. So he comes out of nowhere and it started telling me, hey, play that, play that, play that. So he was kind of helping me out. And that's kind of how we became familiar with one another. Uh, we actually dated twice <laughs> before we got married. So we dated for, or, you know, what we call it now, we talked for like six to eight months and neither one of us were in the space to have a healthy <laughs> A sustainable relationship. I think when we met, we we're like 22, 23. Um, he had just recently uh, graduated college and he was like, you know what? I feel, I feel like I need to figure my life out. So he went traveling and like, I think a year later we kind of reconnected and that was the, the rest is history. And we'll be married for four years, October 16th this year. Nice. That is awesome. Yeah. Who would have known that dominoes? Dominoes would be so powerful. Dominoes. So powerful. And so there you go. Pretend like you don't know what you're doing. You never know who's watching. Exactly. Um when it comes down to that whole like process of like he he traveled, he found himself and he came back. Um, did you find that uh he he had evolved at all was his self-awareness dialed up was your self-awareness dialed up like what changed in that period of time that made you guys think yep yeah, this is the one let's do this you know he was a lot more patient um the second time around and i think i was a lot more sure of myself um but i think what made it okay in our minds to move forward were that was that that we had a very strong foundation of friendship. And I was even telling people, and I would preference the statement with this might sound bad, but you know, some people talk about the person that they marry and they're like, you know, I always knew he or she was the one. I didn't have that feeling with my husband. I would, cause I thought, I mean, I had, I dated a lot before him. 
So there are a lot of people that I thought was the one and it didn't work out. So I think I was just like, okay, I, I don't even know what that feels like anymore. But we kind of, we were always like, we always were talking. We all, I always wanted to be around him. So for me, that signal, even though I couldn't fix my mouth to say, like, I know he's the one, I couldn't see myself not, I, I couldn't see myself with, without him. And I always wanted to be in his space. He was always intriguing. There was something about him that was always captivating. But most importantly, I felt like I could be 100% myself, which represented safety to me. And for me, that was kind of like the, the deciding factor. Like I, again, I, I wasn't quick to say, I know he's the one, but I know what it feels like to, to pretend and be that chameleon and feel like you have to morph and, and code switch depending on who you're around and who you're with. And with him, it was never that way. So. I felt comfortable saying I do for the rest of my life because I'm like, if I can feel safe with you and we're kids, like in our twenties, you know, like I'm, I'm okay and comfortable with our ability to go the distance. So. Well, I think that's an important, <laughs> an important summary because uh, it came up in the career journey. It comes up in like the, the non-career journey. And it's just like position yourself in the places where you feel like you can be vulnerable and position yourself in, in the items or the tasks or the categories or the lines of work where it kind of like you feel a calling. You might not know what's going to happen. You might not get like some sign or some signal that this is it, but you'd rather be there than somewhere else. Or you feel more purpose there than you felt in the past thing. Or maybe you felt more empowered or you were well further within your power. Like I, I liked about... Uh, finding the things that uh, people are, are scared of you for or finding your power, or finding the thing that gives you that fire. Because I think some people, um, they might hesitate to find their fire or to find their power, to find that thing that sets them apart. Like maybe they think that uh, that's not for them, but hopefully they understand that everybody gets something that is their superpower and they have permission to go get their superpower and if they need help finding it, then they have to surround themselves with people who can lean into those tough conversations and who can get in with their emotions and cry and laugh and get mad and be sad and all of the things all in one package. For sure. So For sure. you talked about music and I think music is important. I think it's important to make people understand what music can do for us, um, the power that music has, the influence it can bring. Um, what what kind of music do you like and why? I really don't have one genre. Like I will listen to Queen and I will listen to Anita Baker. I will listen to The Temptations. I will listen to um, Kendrick Lamar. Like, I do not have one particular genre that I like. I like music that evokes emotion, whether it's the chord progression, whether it's from a vocal vantage point, the harmonies, whether it's a rap. Um, and I'm sitting there 
listening to the lyrics. You know, I I love emo- I love music that evokes emotion. Um, and I don't think that's genre specific. So I don't <laughs> I don't know if that helps, but I I just love music across the board, classical, jazz, you name it. I, I love it. If it if it speaks to my soul, if it makes me like make a face, like yes, then that's my that's my type of music. <laughs> Well, I think that's a, something a lot of people will feel or share that experience with music. Um, because <laughs> yeah. for myself, if you went through my Spotify playlist, you'd be like, who is this guy? Like, it it can be very different, dependent <laughs> on the, the situation, the scenario and, and what you need from music. Um, you talked about uh, lyrics and stuff. Let's let's try something here. Um when like can you think of a time that you can just associate a song with like a time that lyrics just stand out so every time you hear those lyrics you think of a time in your life Mm. yes um oh okay so one of brandy's albums (laughs) was like on repeat when I was dumped by this guy. <laughs> I think it was her full moon album and it came out that summer and I literally listened to the album, I swear like five times, like over and over. I played the album, some rendition of it, a few tracks, maybe the whole album, like every week for like five months. <laughs> So I, I I don't know why that comes to mind, but I think music is very much so linked to relationships, breakups or happy times. But I don't know why with that album, Brandy, she's one of my favorite artists. Um, and yeah, I don't know that that moment in my life uh, is really sticking out because <laughs> sure. I think my cousins came. Yeah, my cousins came in from out of town and kind of like put me on to that particular album. And I was like, yes, this is speaking to exactly what I'm feeling right now. So there's that. (laughs) Brandy, full moon. (laughs) That's the best example. And I'll be totally honest. I don't think I've ever heard that song, but it doesn't mean I don't have another question for you. And so what did you learn about yourself when you were listening to that music on repeat? Like, did you have time for introspection? Did you reflect? Did you realize things? Um, I think I realized that I gave so much of myself away and that it was a very sad time, but a very empowering time <laughs> Um, <clears throat> because at certain parts of the album, I think she was going through a divorce herself and she talks about like the love story that she had with her significant other and then what the ring on her, you know, ring finger meant, but that promise was broken. So even though I wasn't married, obviously, like I was, you know, in my twenties, like, <laughs> but I could, I could, um, I could attach the message of feeling like, you know, our our relationship was supposed to mean one thing and then you made this decision that made me 
have to make a decision. But then she also, you know, talks about regaining her confidence as a woman. So I think it that album for me just spoke to like the transition that someone can have in life when you experience something so hard, but you have to pick yourself back up and you have to choose to kind of walk through the fire so you can come out on the other side. So that was a good summer because, you know, there's a saying that basically if you tell someone, tell a woman that she can't do something like, watch how she moves after a bad breakup. Like she is doing everything. She, everything she puts her mind to, like you can't tell her anything. And that's how I felt that's, <laughs> that's how I felt that summer after listening to that album. I was like, oh, I'm about to be the baddest chick out here doing all the things, conquering all my goals, getting my body right. Like, you know, that whole vibe. Like you can tell me anything after listening to that album. <laughs> Well, I think that's important to be able to reflect on that stuff and to almost encapsulate those those powers because like the reasons I ask about music is because like music, I can totally think of times in my life where like I got knocked on my butt or I got dumped and there's songs and it's like, all right, now that song is my song. Like that's my powerful song. It could have been the other person's song to begin with, but I took it, my power. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think in times of, of heavy emotional burden to give people the gift of power through music, through activity, through the people that they're surrounded by, um, that is one of those things that is in our control. That's one of those things that nobody can take away. Like nobody can take that song away from you. That's yours now. And when you feel mm -hmm. like when you feel like a badass, when you reflect over like yeah, that was tough. Like emotionally, that was really tough. And you were probably overextended on your bandwidth a few times in that process. But you got that song. Mm -hmm. And no matter how dark the date gets, like had this been this interview being on another day in this week, it might have been a totally different experience. But you're always going to have these things, these connections, these Fab Five, the, the songs, the ability to emote and the permission to emote and stand in your power, the things... Yes. The things that scare people, you got that. That's yours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You got to just lean into it because it's not going anywhere. It's like we can't, I mean, I guess you can run for the rest of your life, but I, I can't imagine what a life like that would be, what it would feel like to constantly be on the run from yourself. Not from anyone else, but yourself, you know, not wanting to sit with the discomfort, not wanting to sit with the uneasiness, not wanting to sit with the unknown, like what a life like that would even feel like, you know? So I would just say lean into the discomfort, you know, 2020, it was a year full of discomfort. You might as well just jump on, <laughs> jump on board and, and lean into it. Well, and if you surround yourself with people who are standing in their power, um, you don't have to run. Yeah. You can just walk forward. You can pave a new path. You can step into the unknown and not know what to expect, but know that you're going to be okay because you're surrounded by pretty solid people. Like your, your yeah. five, your list of five sounded like a bunch of really strong, badass individuals. Like I think... I think that's an important thing for people to have in their entourage is people that yeah. are, oh, oh, yeah, I would not mess with them, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You have to have people that are definitely not afraid to tell you the truth. 
not afraid to call you on your stuff, not afraid to demand the greatness that's in you to come out. Um, yeah, you got to have people that are like, you're better than that. Like, or people that says you can get through this. Um, if you don't find some, they're out there. It may take some time, but um, you can't get through this life without, without your fab five for sure. Absolutely. And so I have to say, this has been one of my most like unorthodox interviews that I've done because like, I just bounce from side to side. So if you're like, this guy asks weird questions, don't mind me. I'm no. just being different today. <laughs> one, Not one, at all. We went from labs to fashion to music to, we went all around and it, and it was, it's great. It's great. One thing that I ask all of my guests is this upcoming question. So brace yourself. If you were to give someone advice on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? I would say look yourself in the mirror, like deep into the mirror, like connect with your eyes. Feel what that feels like. And those moments when you doubt yourself and those moments when you feel alone, tap into that emotion that you felt when you did that. That's who you are. All your experiences, all your triumphs, all your failures make you who you are. There's no need to be ashamed of any of it because it makes you you. Always bring your most authentic self to the table because no one can deny authenticity because if people are really being honest with you it's what they crave the most so always be your most authentic self and tap into yourself whenever you feel doubtful your eyes will tell you who you are that sounds so deep but it really is true like throughout all the noise like really stare yourself in the face and be okay with who that person is that's looking back at you. And whenever you feel uncertain, tap into that and, and you'll be all right. I really liked that answer. And I have one more thing to ask of you. I give okay. my audience a challenge at the end of every episode. And a few episodes back, I decided to start getting the guests to give the challenge. So as I ramble on here, um, think about a challenge that you have for the episode. Because what I'm going to get you to do is say your episode challenge today is, and then just tell the audience. Okay. Your episode challenge today is do the thing that you've been running from. That's it. That is so um, good. That just, that's it. Do the thing you've been running from. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining me. Despite our technical difficulties, we made it happen today. Yay! Awesome. I appreciate you so much.